Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents the Filmography of Hoyta Van Hoytema. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy James, and we're going to talk about Dunkirk. James, where is Dunkirk? Yeah, yeah, I'm on the northern shore of France, I think. Well, that sounds right. Um, the, yeah, film, film's cool. I'd never seen it, so I was wondering, I just missed it. Like, I guess the, I was probably overseas or something or doing something during the hype and then just never watched it but um yeah it's cool it's well done like as a yeah it's, it's got it's got gaps for me but uh like because it, it just works anyway like as a kind of feeling of the war stuff it, it works but like the you know he loves his time things i think the one week for the like the the Dunkirk Beach people, the right. the weak timeline is a uh, yeah it's it's a it's hard to kind of get a grasp of how long that week is. Feels long, right? Yeah, long and short. Like it feels like either like thirty hours or really long. Like you know, yeah, like, like month, month. Yeah, but yeah. But it's All cool. Right. Yeah, well, really we'll get into cool. the timeline and more before we do. Have you seen anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, you probably like me. Um, I watched a good film and a bad film. Yeah, <laughs> so perfect. I did. I uh, finally gotten back into being able to watch some films. Yeah, getting out of work so much. Um, what's I watch? What's the good Booksmart. film? Booksmart. Booksmart. Booksmart uh, is a good film. Yeah, and um, do you know, <laughs> this might be my opinion and my opinion alone, but I feel like it's a remake of Can't Hardly Wait from 1990, but told with millennial values. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely got that one big night thing and it's like high schoolers doing their end of oh, I mean, year like, party, down for to, sure. Down to the characters, like uh, there's the one who loves somebody and wants to kind of, see if they can make it work and there's one who everyone thinks is a is a is an asshole and he's trying really hard to get everyone to like him and then it turns out that he's quite likable when someone gets to know him sure um and yeah i i don't know basically yeah, like i was watching it going oh i mean it's yeah but that might be just my opinion like i yeah. liked that film back in the day I love Can't Hardly Wait, and I, I mean, you're certainly not shooting into a, a, a dark room. There's there's targets there in full light to hit. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, at least thematically, and even in the plot structure, for sure, with some of the characters. It's just, mm -hmm. it's not the comp that I would immediately pull to mind, you know, it obviously, it got compared no, to just super bad when it came out. Yeah. Um, and you know it's certainly doing some of those things also, but I don't think it needs the comparison. It's sort of no, it, it doesn't. Sorry, it was just that. it was just because I'm watching it and I'm like that character is that character and that one is that one, and I was like this is real fun to see like because it's it's stronger, you know, like it's it's a better film than well, like it's a different film, like it's kind of richer with a bit more like real characters and stuff they're doing, but. Yeah, it's a, it's a much more humanistic tale, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's kind of not the same, but I kind of enjoyed, like, I like to think that someone went, hey, what about 
that film but you know with this and then like they <laughs> maybe I, don't know, I thought they might have pulled a little bit out of it because it felt it felt fun anyway i enjoyed it okay yeah what else um, bad, bad film I, I this is another one where i was looking i was basically in a mood to watch some like new versions of old films <laughs> like, yeah. so uh book smart i guess i watched it was like oh it's kind of like that thing and then i saw this movie's poster called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Love Barb and Star. Fuck. <laughs> I have no idea who Barb and Star are. And uh, I was hoping for a Romy and Michelle's high school reunion kind of vibe. Okay. Like that that's the kind of what I was aiming for. And then the movie starts and there's nuclear-powered deadly mosquitoes being released on a beach by an evil like supervillain and I was like oh this isn't the movie I thought I was watching but um so not so much a fan <laughs> huh no but I, moments I enjoyed like moments I laughed but other moments I was like oh this is not for me you Fair loved enough. it I, um, I didn't love it. I liked it a lot, um, but I know a lot of people loved, loved, loved it. And I, I was sort of the first viewing, I wasn't skeptical of it, but it didn't, it didn't hit super hard for me. And then I threw it on like the next day or, you know, a week later or something like that, just out of curiosity to see how it would sit with me again. And the second time I liked it a lot more because it's okay. doing more of like a top secret or airplane style of humor. You know, it's really just like insane gag and insane gag on top of each other. Yeah. But because I think of that, the, the nature of the comedy, it's a little, it's not so rapid fire and punchy. The jokes take a little longer to build and don't necessarily resolve in a real traditional way. So that combination of absurdity and rapid fire comedy the tone even the second time it never quite landed for me but I, I had a little more patience for it I liked it more the second okay. time and I liked it the first time but I okay. also am a little like ah it's you know it's a good one solid okay I think I was looking for something else and when I watched it I'm like oh I don't know um I enjoyed the uh the two main characters the actresses are great. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they do a really good job and they kind of make you like them. But I I guess I just didn't like the supernatural side. Like I kind of would have liked the hijinks and the ridiculousness of those two on their adventure and things being um I get that. There was a, a game going around on the Twitterverse. Um sort of pitching sequels for Barb and Star. And the problem with it is that it's already gone to such heightened realms that anywhere else is a back a backtrack. You know what I mean? You're taking yeah. a step backwards in terms of what they have the moon are. They have to moonraker it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But these characters could hand could stand up to some outer space intergalactic yeah. hijinks for sure. But it would have been nice if before we got there, we'd have seen them like do a museum heist and then, uh, you yeah. know, 
become cops in a, a undercover sting or some shit like that. <laughs> See, that might actually be far more what I was looking for, where the characters are, you know, out of their comfort zone, but it's still kind of, you know, earthly realm. Like, yeah, yeah, it would have benefited from a little more human level stakes, I think. Yeah, because I, I just it, it lost me with the supernatural, with the like, you know, the the Doctor Evil character. I was like, that that is a film, but I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think this film needed that for me. But yeah, no, I, I guess know. I tend to agree. Honestly, I think I think that's where I land. Also, because I like that they like their interactions and how they won't lie to each other, but they totally do, and then they're like. <laughs> One, they both kind of go up to the same guy, but you know, she ends up like sleeping with him all the time. Like that, all that human stuff's quite fun and quite. Yeah, uh, all the business at the resort is really, really good and entertaining for sure. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Anything else? No, no, that's me. How about you? Yeah, I got a couple I can chit chat about. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know, I just finished watching right now is uh, speaking of good and bad, the Birdcage from, I was like 96 or yeah, 96. And uh, it's, you know, a 90s movie and certainly a 90s take on the subject matter. What really stands out is that Gene Hackman and... Um, Diane Weist play play a couple and those two playing off of each other is so good and they got plenty of movie to play with too so I think it's worth watching just for that <clears throat> right I mean Gene Hackman and Robin Williams like it's not a hard sell right like, yeah and you know what Robin Diane... Williams deserves some credit too for like as insane as the subject matter is and the sort of flamboyance that the portrayal demands he feels humanistic you know he's not playing the genie he's he's giving us a real human being oh that's cool i also he watched was what's that oh. he was a good actor he we we kind of remember the jumanjis and the the genies but you know like uh i always think he was like he had a real truth in his eyes like you know when he did like what was that film with the little boy uh jack did you ever see jack not a super great film, but he was like a grown, like a kid that ages too quickly and becomes an adult and is going to die. Yeah, but, that movie's bonkers, man. Yeah, mental movie, not 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 great movie, but when you're seeing him act in it, you're like, yeah, that is a kid inside that person's body. Like, and it, yeah, it's like, it was cool. I was so distracted by everything else going on with Jack that I couldn't like jacked it for the movie it wanted to be it just was like this is i don't know what movie that wanted to be because it was like trying to poke fun but then also trying to be bleak and then trying to like it was a mess of a movie for me but i do remember thinking wow robin williams is selling that so well that i forgot like <laughs> but fair enough it's definitely my favorite francis ford coppola movie it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing. Speaking of storied directors making strange choices, I finally watched Welcome to Marwin. Merwin? Marwin? Uh -huh. Robert Zemeckis. I, I, that, that, that is 
like I haven't watched it, but that is PTSD dealt with through like a surreal doll situation. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And I had no, no conception of what this movie was going into it other than like, oh, it's, yeah, people say this movie's nutso and I know it's a Robert Zemeckis movie. So I put it on and it's the the literal, I I had to clock it because I just didn't know what was happening to me. Literally the first eight minutes of the movie are being told through the doll's perspective. And it's like, photo real Steve Carell face on a G.I. Joe. And, you know, I'm not going to unpack too much of the story. It's sort of fascinating. It strikes me as one of those things. It's like, I'm sure there's a really interesting documentary of this, but the uh, movie itself is maybe a little a bridge too far just because there's it's so hard to ground yourself in the stakes of this thing it's really nuts so like again not knowing anything about this movie other than just putting it on i was legitimately like so is this a gi joe movie like am i gonna are we all in gi joe land or it, who is making this happen to the dolls <laughs> right yeah i see because basically i i don't i haven't watched it i just i think i must have seen a review or something and it was like but if you didn't come in with that knowledge, yeah, that's quite great. So you're just like, is this a comedy about G.I. Joe's or is this an action film? Or <laughs> And when it's being a weird comedy action film about G.I. Joe's, it's kind of awesome because Robert Zemeckis is really good at that stuff. And then when it's doing anything else, it's like pretty insane and very off-putting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I got. Should we talk about <laughs> Dunkirk? Yeah, for sure. So first it's, time uh, view for you. How did how did you feel? Oh yeah, no, I really like I mean the 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 moods are all there and the the kind of hopelessness is is done well. And like the I guess not hopelessness, like the desperation, you know, like everyone well seen through this like young um army man you know at the start coming in and he's like i just need to get out of here and then all his friends get shot and then he just wants to go to the bathroom and then everything's blowing up and then you know like and then he comes up with a plan to to carry the body to the boat so he can get on Mm -hmm. but then like you know it the desperation of getting there and then it just all falling apart constantly and no one can kind of get off this beach uh that was done well the and just the border of the beach also, you know, you're like at the literal edge of yeah. anything. There's there's no other option here. You're just going to get on the boat that hopefully shows up or not. Yeah. Yeah. That points to like kind of one of my only notes about this movie in particular and point to in specific is that the scale is incredible and he one of the things i think the the thing that i've appreciated most from him and watching these movies in this context is how good he is at grappling with scale and reconciling incredible vistas with small details because it can really be hard to mesh those things together and when you get it wrong you, you never you don't know exactly what's being 
mistaken, but it's always off-putting. Absolutely. No, I mean, that was one of my things I was going to come up to is he shows these big beach scenes, but your eye knows to look at the people standing in the water. The you know, like the, 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 the men all lined up and then the tides come in and they're like, well, this is where I've been told to stand. And I'm just, you know, like, uh, or even the, you know, when Tom Hardy shows up and he's doing his fighter pilot saying the, the scale of those actions taking place against the little glass frame that they use to line up the, the, the gunfire from the, the planes, you know, and it's, it's solid filmmaking because it's not something that's ever described, but you're watching it happen and you're pretty clear about what needs to go on in order to succeed. The pilots, the 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 Tom Hardy uh, fight, fighting scenes, I really enjoyed when they kind of cut to one of the big boats having the people jumping off. You know, like the little fishing boat that's sinking and then people are jumping out, but it's really tiny and the plane's kind of flying past. Mm-hmm. And then we get to experience it at the next temporal, you know, like you see it from the actual sailor's point of view as they're jumping off the fishing vessel. And it's it's kind of cool to see the two different scales. Like, so the pilot sees something happening and he keeps on trying to shoot to save other people and stop the, you know, the bombs going off. But when the people are in the boat, they can f- hear every bullet hole and they can feel the water kind of trapping them in. And, it, you know, it's interesting yeah. stuff. I like to. Turns around and uh, elucidates the other main point that I want to make that I I think this is Christopher Nolan's best movie by a, a long shot it, I think it's hands down his best achievement his strongest expression of the things that he does best and you kind of mentioned it earlier about um, well on both sides of it being a lot less concerned with the the detail of the thing and also it, it, what, what you mentioned specifically was like the the beach are we here for 30 hours are we here for 300 hours you know we're not quite sure about that thing and I don't I he can't really help himself but hang this time thing onto the movie and I think this movie might even be a little better expressed if it didn't rely so much on that but yeah, I, I can hear you with the like relying but I do think seeing multiple, seeing scenes from different, t- like, uh, like seeing things cross over. So you're you're kind of getting the long trip of these soldiers trying to get off the beach, and then you have the short trip of the the pilot kind of just flying past. Yeah. And then you have the medium trip of the small boat going to pick people up, and they kind of all cross over at one point. That's quite cool to kind of. That feeling is cool, but that feeling is cool. It's fun as an audience member. It's also really, I think it communicates something about the nature of war specifically, but any just large scale project when you're trying to coordinate that many people and their forces working against you, like the, it is the, I think it's Tom Hardy who asks like, what, why are they doing Dunkirk? Shouldn't they be at Calais? And whoever says, no, the enemy had something to say about that. Just like, he's flipping about it because he's literally flying in at the last hour. These people on the ground have been going for weeks and weeks and weeks trying to get to Calais and going, fuck, I guess it's Dunkirk. 
Yeah. And those both are pertinent human experiences, but they both need to be understood and managed if you're going to succeed in this endeavor at the scale of hundreds of thousands of people, you need to be operating in weeks and hours and minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful film. And uh, I, I like, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the, the humans side of it. It's like, you know, but the, it, yeah, you're obviously kind of very excited when the boats show up at the end. Like <laughs> it feels good, you know, like it felt pretty desperate grappling with with very little you know and grasping and grabbing nothing and then the boats show up and it feels yeah and i yeah. like the the little coda of a thesis you know where somebody gives words to like oh that's enough you know you you survived and that sometimes that's enough yeah no that lands i think and i think it lands because it, it's specifically less interested in fleshing out the humanity by like really drawing us to the visceral interactions that these people are having we can project ourselves into the experience where so much of Nolan's other work is having to be explained in detail that doesn't add up anyway and by abandoning a lot of that it really lets this stuff shine you know I, I dig it man yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, uh, as a first viewing, I really in, was on the edge of my seat for it, which was lovely. Yeah. Do feel like I wish I'd seen it uh, cinema. Like, yeah. it felt big. It felt like a big film. Like, like watching 1917 in the cinema, you know, like that, it felt right to be, you know, hearing it big, seeing it big. I can't wait till we can do that again. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I, I had not seen this uh, on a big screen either. The, <laughs> the first time I watched this movie, I watched it as Christopher Nolan intended on an airplane. So <laughs> not, but I actually think that's, I, I think it speaks to the power of cinema. Like if a movie can work in that format, there's something really going for it. And I've only seen it on bigger screens since then. And it, it just works better every time, you know? Oh yeah, no. I mean, I've I I used to fly a lot for my job, so a lot of my introductions to things is a TV series, True Detective. I watched that on an airplane, and it blew my mind. <laughs> like, couldn't believe that. But yeah, yeah. I watched so. season three of Fargo in one solid binge from Los Angeles to Sydney, just ten episodes straight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Hoyter's job was done beautifully because I could, he got, he got far enough away for me to get the feeling of the scope. And then he got close enough to feel the claustrophobic of like pushing through the people with the stretcher and being trapped in the boat with the water filling up multiple times <laughs> and the friend being like, Hey, what's he doing? He's like, Oh, he's making sure he's by the door. Cause he knows what sinking boats are like and then the boat sinks and you're like fuck we, we were just on one of these <laughs> man and even before you're on the first sinking boat just because of the claustrophobia of like having to fight through the crowd to get the stretcher on there it just feels like 
I don't want to be here. I don't, this doesn't seem like a good situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, ideally, <laughs> there's a little bit of an anecdote. My, my wife, God bless her, is well prepared and generally early for things. And I love that. Um, it makes my life so much easier. But she wants to be the first person on the plane. And I'm like, but then we have to sit on the metal tube for longer. Let's just be the last people on the plane, you know, because it's not going to take off until we leave. We could just stand in the back of this line. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm a Meg, Megder on that one. Like I just, I just, I'm const, const, uh, constantly on edge until all the things I need to get done are done. So I just want to be like done. And then I'm just like, I'll have a nap or something. Like I'll just get on the plane and just be out. But until no, I'm on the plane. That's where it starts for, well, no, that's not where it starts. I'm stressed out the whole time, but I'm not, I'm not done until I'm like bags collected. Then I'm okay. All right. I can get a taxi. I can solve every other problem from here, but until I have my bags from baggage claim or I'm through fucking customs, whatever, that's when I take a breath. Uh, yeah um it's yeah i mean like so tonally i think it is where it it just nails it for me like i don't know like so like i was saying with the time like i kind of enjoyed that the beach like i i, I couldn't understand how long it was because it says one week but it feels like all sorts of time but i like that because that's what it would feel like you know you're kind of i need to get off the beach now but you're also like forever stuck there and the borders are just getting closer and closer but you know um i mean it would be what one week from the time that like the action opens where we're yeah. with our foot soldier and to yeah. the time that he gets to it does that does feel a little long though yeah like a week is either way too long because it feels like two days maybe or three, you know, yeah. but then also sometimes you're like, well, if it's not two days, then there's like gaps in this. And then it feels like a month, like, you know, because people are dying and, you know, like, so it, it like boats sink and I'm guessing they sink, sink. And then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's always the thing with Nolan is like the, the specificity of, the, he raises the question in a very specific way and then if you yeah. explore it on his terms it's just it starts to crumble you know he doesn't need to say one week he can just say say like earlier like much earlier earlier you know present or you know <laughs> get away from time and relate it to the elements so it could be land air and sea yeah then we don't even we don't that could all be happening at the same time and nobody's asking the question and we get very viscerally like okay this guy's stuck on the land we got you know it's the exact yeah. same organizing not the same organizing principle but it is achieves the same thing dramatically and it doesn't it, it not only doesn't raise a question that doesn't have an answer it gives you a much broader out for the yeah. answer yeah um so i think i mean uh, I don't know, but I felt like they separated the different, you know, temporal time, the times or whatever, um, by audio design. Because yeah, I was, was looking to say that's 
I think there's a, a huge cheat in this movie that I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person to describe, but the sound, the audio design is carrying a lot of this thing with the ticking clock and the like, the wine, the string wine that is through all, like literally all of this movie is super heavy handed, you know? But they tie the, the, the string wine into the dive bombing planes, which I quite like. So when you're on the beach and you're hearing the wine and it's just the audio track, the soundtrack, and then it blurs into the yeah. planes coming in to bomb the beach. I, 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 I got that because before I was anxious because of the noise and then I was anxious because the noise could mean airplanes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, um, Yeah, no, it's... I. I I wouldn't even bring it up as a note. I like I said, the worst I can say about it is that it's a little heavy, but it's very effective. It you know does its job, and at, this movie also is one of Nolan. I think it is Nolan's shortest film outside of like Following, you know, which is basically a student film, and so <laughs> you can sustain that kind of sound design for ninety minutes. It doesn't have to go for that extra hour that so many of his movies do. Hmm. Yeah, I, I liked this length. I mean, yeah, because I liked, it's got like an urgency to it where the story is kind of punching to get through, but it's not like, it's not rushing anything. It's just kind of keeps on going. Like no, the relentlessness of it is, is kind of, it's good. Relentless is, yeah, a good word for it, but it's not, there are, you know, kind of ups and downs, the peaks and valleys of it. It, it breathes and it contracts for sure. It, it's yeah, really actually crafted in terms of tension. It's it's paced and I definitely get like breathing sessions where he gets to eat like jam donut, but you're still anxious and it still feels like we still need to get off it. You know, like yeah. we're still we're yeah. still going and everything's kind of still, you know, like running. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Do you have anything else about Dunkirk? Um, no. Yeah, that was it was a cool film. I I will if I meet people who haven't seen it, I will be telling them to see it. <laughs>